everybody, and welcome to another episode of Connect the Knox, connecting Knoxville to the nation. I'm your host, Julia Hurley. Today's guest is uh, one of the most esteemed people we have literally ever had on this podcast, Dr. Hosh. We call him Dr. Hosh as his nickname. This man has a bio. I'm just going to turn it around here. A bio. He's got a bio 25 pages long, so we are going to let him introduce himself. One thing I will say is he is the most prolific nuclear energy expert in the world today. And we're lucky enough to have him here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wanted to start it off that way. Dr. Hosh, thank you so much, as always, for supporting all of our endeavors here at Connect the Knox and for being here with us today. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate you getting me on this and I'm very excited to be doing this. Wonderful. Start us off with what exactly it is that you do. Nuclear energy is such a small pocket of expertise and what you offer the world and the community is so amazing. Can you let people know what you're doing here from Knoxville worldwide? All right. We test the control systems of nuclear power plants. So nuclear power plants are designed to shut themselves down in case of a problem as quickly as possible because every second really, really counts. So we verify that if there is a problem, the plant can shut itself down as fast as possible and there is a requirement of how many seconds. For example, some things have to work in less than four seconds, something has to work in less than two seconds. We go into plants, the control systems of the plant that keeps the plant running and shuts it down and verify that they can actually shut the plant down in four seconds or two seconds, depending on the episode. Interesting. So for anybody out there, and I will tell you, nuclear energy is something that is either really loved, really hated, completely misunderstood. Having Oak Ridge National Lab here in Knoxville's backyard gives us a different perspective and respect and appreciation for it. But not everyone around the world or even the nation understands nuclear energy or nuclear power and what that contributes nationally and internationally. Can you help us understand that? Of course. The, uh, Julia, that's a good question. Nuclear energy has really come back in the last five years because of the environmental benefit of nuclear energy. Basically, it's non-polluting uh, energy source. So you can make electricity out of burning coal or gas, or you can use nuclear. And of course, you can use dams and, and, and wind and solar, but those things are almost maxed out at some point. Anyway, but all the people in nuclear and mostly non-nuclear people and politicians are coming to realize that to, uh, to get to what we call net zero, meaning that almost no pollution in the air by 2050, you're going to have to start ramping up nuclear power. Uh, we are trying, I'm a member of the... Uh, I'm, of a governor um, uh, council on making Tennessee the center for nuclear energy. And we, in fact, have a meeting today with the vice president of TBA and all in my company uh, and uh, director of Ukraine National Lab. They're all coming here at 3 o'clock for us to, to work on helping the governor make Tennessee the center of nuclear energy in the United States. So... And the reason things have changed for the better is government is putting a lot of money into nuclear to, because nuclear has to be subsidized. Uh, it's a very expensive process, but it is the key 
to getting uh, rid of uh, CO2 and greenhouse gases and all the flooding and hurricanes and uh, those things you, that you see increasing every, every day. Now, there are people who don't believe that this is really caused by environmental effects, but we think it is. Okay. Tell us about what's going on in just the Knoxville area. I mean, just being able to have you here in Knoxville and having the governor's offices and, and nationally having someone here connected. You're a professor at the University of Tennessee. You've given speeches. I don't know if you know how good your speeches are, but the kids that graduated UT last year started a subreddit just to talk about how motivational your speech was to them when they left. So you are impacting generational conversations uh, around nuclear energy. Let's talk about nuclear waste and how that's handled and what you're doing to also facilitate conversations with controlling that side of things, which is a concern. Well, that's a critical question with the use of nuclear energy worldwide, the nuclear waste. But we have a very good handle on nuclear waste, in, at least in the United States. It's even better in other countries. And that is that we keep the waste on site because it's secure. So there is technologies that have been developed over the last 20 years so that you can actually keep the waste there and not even bring it out. Uh, there is enough space to do that. However, eventually, you're going to have to move it from there. We built in the United States, we built what's called Yucca Mountain, which was supposed to be the place to put the nuclear waste. But uh, due to political uh, issues, uh, because Nevada's uh, uh, senator was against it and he was a Democrat, and uh, he, he has passed away now. But uh, that really killed uh, after the United States have spent $10 billion building that. It was actually put on hold and nothing so eventually we have to find something like that to put it in. But for now, we have a good handle on it for the next, I would say, 10, 20, 30 years, and then we'll find a, a permanent solution for the nuclear waste. It's not a big Wonderful. problem. It's not a big problem. That's good to know. Yes. It's good to know because we live right next door to Oak Ridge. <laughs> well, there is no, there's nothing here to worry about. Nuclear waste is not dangerous. Nuclear waste is pretty benign if you know how to handle it. Very good. So one of the things that we like to talk about on this podcast specifically, because it is Knoxville focused, but a lot of people outside of the nation, I mean, we're, as you've seen, the growth in the Knoxville area has doubled exponentially. Exactly. It's going to continue. Exactly. We're the next Nashville. Exactly. Yeah, we're the next Nashville. It's going to happen. Exactly. I'm very excited about that yes. as a realtor. Exactly. <laughs> very excited about that. However, managing the expectations for the job market, and the school districts, the you know socioeconomic changes, gentrification, etc. Knoxville itself is in a unique position because we offer so many job opportunities. The conversation we've had specifically on this podcast, as we continue to have with everyone we interview, is where do you see the job market in your industry growing and being able to not only recruit but retain younger employees in your field so we can grow Knoxville, its base, and keep younger people here. Very good. So that's the, that's probably among the biggest challenge for every industry, especially nuclear, because we are so spe specific. We are fortunate here because we have the University of Tennessee, we have Oak Ridge National Lab, we have Tennessee Tech, we have Roan State, we have um, uh, uh, State. we have a lot of um, educational resources here that are pumping in young people. Keeping them here I've, I, I've tried everything. You've got to pay them good 
and take good care of them. So the world of employer-employee relationship has changed. Uh, I want you, I'm going to send you, and you can put it on, on the public, um, my commencement speech. I was a commencement speaker for the College of Engineering at UT. I don't know if you saw that, but I have, I have that, and I'll send it to you, Julia. And uh, there it says that uh, the key to keeping the people here is to treat them as well as you can, pay them as good as you can, and, and know that they have so much choices around the country or around the world, actually, and they will leave if you don't treat them well. Uh, flexibility is very important to the young generation. So uh, I, I said that in my commencement speech. That's one thing we started with, letting people basically come and go as they wish. Now, we have not gone as far as Microsoft, which says you have unlimited off time. Uh, I don't think we'll ever go that far, but some companies are doing that. You can just be off as much as you want to on your own discretion. Hmm. That would be that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be a change. That would be a change. So as I'm reading through all of your accomplishments and all of your, the things that you are doing, explain what you're doing in Europe and Asia, and as far as your control system text testing, like how are you continuously making that better, faster, stronger, more capable, more hands-off? What are your, I guess, the, I guess the end result of this question would be, what would be your requirements or opportunities for younger people? Where do they need to be looking for education? What specifically do they need to do now to be able to, in eight years, once they receive their doctorate, work with a company like yours? Very good. So actually, digital digitalization and uh, artificial intelligence is what we use to optimize our operation. I mean, you can't find people. I mean, the United States, in my opinion, is short of at least 20 million workers, probably at least 5 million engineers, really. That's really true. Uh, and, you know, you can think of um, uh, ways uh, to do this. One would be immigration. The other one would be to use technology to replace people. That's what I've done here. We have brought a lot of technology uh, to take care of a lot of our needs on both the operations side, on the on the business side, and also on the technical side. So that's what we do. In With respect to um, something I want to say, over the last two or three weeks, we've had a bunch of workforce development conferences here in Knoxville around nuclear. And everybody is em emphasizing this. We need masters, PhDs, and bachelors, but we, more than that, we need plumbers, uh, welders, electricians. So we really want to send that message that two-year degrees are, uh, and vocational degrees are very, very important. You know, a nuclear power plant or any process uses a few PhDs and a few masters and a few bachelors, but use a lot of electrician, uh, welders, uh, plumbers, and that's what I want to emphasize. With respect to our work in, outside the United States, we basically work internationally. Every nuclear power plant that has been built by an American designer or builder is our customer. Whether our single largest customer outside the United States is, is England, and there's a new, big nuclear power plant in near London, so we are in another there. We have our own company a partner in Spain. So we are partners. So we do all of the Spain plant. We do this English plant. We do Switzerland. We do um, uh, even uh, Slovenia uh, in the Eastern European countries. We have done work in Ukraine. Uh, just basically 
all of Europe. We are partner with uh, with what used to be Rolls Royce uh, in France. Now uh, Framaton came and bought Rolls Royce. So through them, we work in the French fleet. Um, uh, we have done a lot of work in China. There is four nuclear power plant that was built by Westinghouse or the United States in China. So we did all the commissioning tests of the instrumentation systems of that uh, that plant. In, in fact, we, we brought the plant online uh, as one of the things they have to do to certify the plant. And then COVID hit and we couldn't go there. So we had to train the Chinese people over the internet to do the testing themselves because they couldn't start the plant without this. So, and then Korea, we have our own people in Korea and China. We do all of the Korean nuclear power plants. So we do the United Arab Emirates in the Middle East. I'm getting ready to go to uh, to Vienna here in, in two weeks and then on to UAE for the COP28. So we are very active internationally working on the Knoxville. I bet. That's, that's a lot of travel out of a regional airport. Exactly. <laughs> and I just came back from Europe five days ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is so, I don't know where you find time to do anything else, but you do. Perfect segue because you've written three books. Right. Tell us you about know, Julia, you, you know a lot of famous people at the top of them being Randy Boyd. And when I look at those people, you're asking me that question later, but I, I can tell the, your audience that the people who do a lot, do a lot and get uh, have a quality life. So you take a guy like Randy. I mean, he does everything. He runs the university, has a billion-dollar company. He manages, you know, kids' uh, sport. He's everywhere. And when you look at him, uh, you can't tell that this guy is as busy as he is. He, he runs marathon. He went to the ice marathon. Uh, and he's, uh, you know, not that old, but he's not as young as you are. And actually came out like number 15 or 16, which is awesome. Uh, and things. So when I look at a person like that, my message to your audience is that if you know how to manage life and how to manage time, you can do everything. And in fact, I think the people who don't have anything to do are busier than people who have a lot to do. We get it done. That is very true. Time management is the number one system that I personally coach. Of course, I don't coach real estate agents in Knoxville that would be coaching my competition. I coach all over the world. And my number one thing is time management. If you can manage your time properly, everything else falls into place. Exactly. Exactly. I'm late for everything. I'm late for that. I have to admit, because if somebody that works for me in this company listened to this, really, you're taking lessons from Hush on time management. It's always late. I got to make that. Well, you know, there's it's, it's, there's there's exceptions to the rule. <laughs> you just right. need to know when to bend just a little bit. Right, right. We all know that real estate is location, location, location. Our team at Just Homes Group has the true expertise, pairing buyers and sellers with the right opportunities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell a home right here in Knoxville, Lenore City, Clinton or Farragut. We have the expertise throughout every Knoxville surrounding area. Call Julia Hurley at 865-237-7328. Tell us about your books. So um, I've written um, uh, three books that are technical. So it's in my field. 
I got it translated to four languages. So my books are in Japanese, Chinese, Korean, and Russian. The reason I did that is because those are the countries that are really going nuclear big time, right? Russia, of course, is not going to be easy to deal with anymore because of the uh, unfortunate war in Ukraine, very unfortunate war in Ukraine, and that I hope it comes to end as soon as possible. We have, I have friends there. I've worked there. I was just in Europe dealing with uh, with my Ukrainian counterparts and things. So... Um, the books are uh, used as textbook in some places. Then I have written about uh, not the book itself, but chapters in another 10 books. So I'm co-author. And that's what we do. We do research, we learn things, and we put that in the public domain for everybody to see. That's fantastic. I think it, it's, it's one thing to write a book about whatever, and then to write a biography or write an autobiography. It's another thing to actually write technical knowledge and teaching skills that will either make or break an entire world in the future and have it revered. That is very difficult and props to you for doing that. Thank you. Oh, there's so much in here. I don't even know. We'll, we'll make it a little more Knoxville centric because I can talk to you all day about what's going on in the world. I think that that's, I think that's one of the most important things. I don't think that people truly understand um, politically, the issues in the entire world that affect all of us, nuclear energy is one of those. Every time we have a war, every time we have a problem in another country, our energy is affected. Everything that we do on a local basis, whether it's from a town of 300 or a big city of three, 3 million, energy is affected by every political conversation and vote and threat that we could ever encourage. And Again, Knoxville, Tennessee Housing at Bridge National Lab is always affected by that. Uh, tell us about what you do, if you can. Tell us what you can tell us about what you do with Oak Ridge National Lab and how that is a great partnership with the University of Tennessee and Tennessee Systems. Right. So we work at High Flux Isotope Reactor, HIFER. We, we provide services to them. We work with Y-12, which is the nuclear weapon complex in the United States or defense complex in the United States. Uh, we work with them. We do some testing of some of their uh, equipment. Um, uh, we do joint research with Oak Ridge National Lab. I worked at Oak Ridge National Lab when I was a graduate student, so we have a connection there. My Actually, the reason, one of the reasons I came to Knoxville, my aunt, my mom's sister, was a cancer researcher doctor in, uh, in Oak Ridge National Lab. And I remember I used to be able to go through the thing uh, with her in her car and nowadays you can't even get close to it. But this was like 45, 45 years ago. The world have changed. So um, we, can't, we, are, we are all in and out of uh, the, the place all the time, uh, both doing collaboration research, both servicing some of the facilities uh, and working at the Y12 and so on. Or Y12 sends their stuff here to our labs. And, uh, so we have good. But, you know, our, our job is mostly commercial nuclear power. Uh, and we are not a research house. We are not as academic, uh, but we do do things with national labs. Not just Ukraine. All there's 17 national labs in the United States. We work with six or seven of them closely. That's right. That's what all from right here. Again, just not again. This this podcast is very much focused on what's in Knoxville that people don't know about. And I would, I would almost guarantee you, unless someone had had a reason to know about nuclear energy, they would have no idea that your company was here. 
Not a clue. Yeah, one thing I want to let you know that I even was surprised when we saw this governor council that there's 15 of us that served the governor on this pro bono. Uh, and the things I've learned over the last month or so we're working, one of which, uh, Julia, is this. There is 229, 229 nuclear companies in this area. 149 of them are in, in this vicinity. 229 in Tennessee, but mostly concentrated on East Tennessee. This is going to be the center of nuclear energy. That is why the governor, Bill Lee, put in $50 million to jumpstart this activity, and then we feel like we are going to get both federal and, and and state money to continue this and make this center up because there is no other reason not to do this. TVA is here with seven nuclear power plants. You know, United States have 95 operating. Seven of them are TVA's nuclear power plants, right? We have the Oak Ridge National Lab, the isotope reactor that I told you about. We have the SNS, Spallation Neutron Source. Yeah, there's so much nuclear. And you also have fusion. It, it, everything we talked about so far is about fission, which is the conventional form of nuclear energy. But now fusion is actually um, growing here in uh, in Tennessee. Uh, uh, Dr. Kathy McCarty is one of the top people in uh, in fusion, and she's the director of the fusion activities of Krish National Lab. So there's so much going on here. Then we have... Added manufacturing, we have the material thing in the Cherokee uh, farm, which we've been here. So there is so much. It's amazing that I even wonder, there's so many cities like Knoxville around the United States, and I go everywhere in the world. And when I come back to Knoxville, I'm amazed that the city that I live in is so rich in in nuclear and other industrial uh, process history. I think that one thing that surprises people about Knoxville is that it's still a home. It's a it's a small town with really big capabilities, and we keep it that way for a reason. People enjoy coming home and know that they have a community to be involved in. Exactly. Well, that's why so many people are coming here, and the price of housing, as you know better than anybody else, is is almost uh, you know going pretty crazy, and it's not stopping because you know there's so many people that have realized. What a fantastic! And you don't even have to come here to work. The people who come here to retire, we have more water here. I wonder at one time how many boat companies. Why do we have so many boat manufacturers in Knoxville? I was talking to one of the VPs of Sierra. He says because this place has more lakes and accessibility to water than anywhere else. But we got that. You got all the uh, all the parks and and you got some champions. You one of the questions you're asking me is who are my heroes in Knoxville. We got some people here that really have made this community what it is. We're very lucky. We're very, very lucky. And we've kept it small. And there's only been a couple of decades where there's been a power shift. And it's really been a pleasant one. And we're not, not every city can say that, you know. So we've been very lucky. We went from the Butcher Brothers to kind of like the Langley Alexander era. And then Alexander kind of shifted to Haslam. Haslam's kind of shifting, I personally think, to Boyd, but that's just a personal that's preference. Very <laughs> that's very true. And I, since you brought yeah. that up, you know, Jim Haslam and the whole Haslam family have been so awesome to the Tennessee, to Knoxville, to, to really the nation. But uh, let's just talk. I mean, they have been exceptional. I don't know how this, uh, how this place, what this place would have looked like without 
uh, gym. Uh, we call it the big gym uh, because there's another. Yeah, big daddy gym. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know her. You know him very well. He's just like uh, best friend of ours, and he, him and his wife uh, have have done so much for the community. And you're right. I think uh, Randy Boyd is is also contributing a lot, a lot. Then we have you know uh, Clayton's. We have Pete Dubas. We have a lot of champions here uh, who are really uh, helping this this community. I'm so generous. The other thing, Julie, Julia, I want to tell you, Tennessee, in my opinion, has the best people. I said I tell, oh, yeah. I said this publicly a lot that the United States have the best people in the in the world, and Tennessee have the best best people of the United States, and I have the best people of Tennessee working for me because I have employees that I don't know why they work for me. Uh, for 30 years, <laughs> a lot of people have been here between 15 and 30. When I send you my commencement speech, you see that I address that. I think the reason is because they're just wonderful people. They are loyal. They they don't. They're just just great. I'm very lucky to be here. Well, we're lucky to have you here, Thank honestly, you. honestly, and I think people know that. I don't know if you get told that enough. So we are very lucky to have you here, and very appreciative that you are here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we have a very limited time and I want to get to the locality of it. So the, the fire round questions, um, what's your favorite restaurant in Knoxville? I knew you were, so I go to, to Carabas for, uh, not to um, Bravo and Carabas a lot for lunch because it's near my company. When I have outside guests from other town, I take them to Fleming's and Ruth Crest because those are the ones that have paid tablecloth and all those. So uh, I like Vida. Uh, uh, Jim Colonaris and his wife are my friends. I like Vida, Kefi. We have a lot of great restaurants. Used to be that you're way too young to know, but used to be that that oh, the best place to go and the only best place to go was Copper Cellar. That was the place uh, to go. I used, Do you remember when Copper Cellar had the blue crab? Yes, yes. It was the best. It was the. I. I am. I, I look younger than I am. <laughs> well, but I remember that we used to go. We used to go after football game days to the one across uh, from what used to be Docs or Michaels or whatever. They've torn it down. It's not even there anymore. Right. Um, but then we would have the blue crab, and they don't even. Nobody in town serves it. Right. Yeah, but Cobber Cellar Restaurant System um, have no. Uh, 27 restaurant. I also like uh, Corners. You know, oh, all yeah. these guys, I've lived here so long, I know all these guys that own these restaurants. So Mike Corner is a friend of mine and things. He has 17 restaurants. Uh, you don't know this, but they are all of these guys started as dishwashers and cooks and stuff at the restaurant here in Knoxville 40 years, 45 years ago, called Steak and Out. But these are the kids. They were all kids. Now they all own a lot of restaurants and very good one. Chesapeake's in West is a great restaurant for, it's a big, I like cozy places for, for when I go with, you know, guests and all, but for lunch and, you know, big crowds, um, Chesapeake is good. West, the one in West. Yeah. The one out West is also, it's closer to where I am. So it's a little easier to get to. So I appreciate that part of it. And that's, that is one heck of a list of restaurants for people to take Absolutely. on, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Favorite bar or pub? Okay, so Walt, I don't know if you've been to Walt, which is under the Vida's restaurant. So this used to be the Walt 
of a bank that they converted mm-hmm. it into a really awesome bar. In fact, I have guests from everywhere, and I take them there, and uh, and they're amazed that such a nice and cozy place exists in Knoxville. They had the best flatbread pizza ever. They quit doing that, so I got to get the gym and find out why. Why did you get rid of it? So they are. That's one of my favorite places to go uh, for drinks and uh, in terms of a bar. I love that. I love that. One last question. When you bring someone here that's never been here and they want to experience something that's completely not known, where do you typically go? So we know <laughs> that's a very selfish answer. We normally give them a lecture about our company's history and then we give them a tour of the place. We are in a campus of three buildings in my company and we keep it up. We keep this place up. So that's 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 one of the attractions <laughs> too. Then I take them out on the on, on downtown and show them all the I normally we are academics. So we normally I may give them a tour of the University of Tennessee. Um I, I have taken people to football games. I have five seats in the stadium that I've had them for probably 40, 45 years. I don't like to sit in the boxes. Don't tell the UT people that because <laughs> I've been there. That's, that's just not watching football. So I sit in the middle of a bunch of hooligans and we really have a great time. So I take some of my guests. I've taken some very important people to those bleachers in the stadium. They loved it, you know, and uh, so that's what I do. Where are your, where, our seats are in, we're on the first row on, in, I think it's X6, where the power, they run out of the power T. We have the first two seats on the first row. Okay, well, we are not too far from that. We are at X10, and the only problem with my seats, they are not under the cover, so when it uh. rains... So I invited the, one of the, this is a while ago, uh, one of the v, VPs of, uh, of TVA. He was running the nuclear plant building, actually, Watch War 4, Watch War 2. And uh, he assumed that Hosh is inviting me to a football game. He's going to be in the box. Because he, he said, I get an invitation to go to the box every week, and I don't go. So he came and sat there, and I could tell that he was just questioning and it also rained, so I had to send my wife to go buy some of these $5 ponchos. Well, you know what happened? That was the game that in the last second, Arkansas fumbled that we went to national championship. So he turned out to be the best game of, of Tennessee history. I agree. The boxes are for basketball, but if you're going to do football, you do it in the stadium. Absolutely. That's the best experience, and by the 100%. Way, when we won Alabama, I went to the, I went to the field and I, I actually laid on the field. I didn't break the goalpost, but I was next. And I sent my picture to Randy Boyd, and, and he said it was a great picture. Well, he was stuck in the boxes, and you were having the exactly. experience. Exactly. Yes, right. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. <laughs> well, we host a tailgate every year. Feel free. We'll 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 talk offline. Sure. I'll send you an invitation to the tailgate. We do in every home game. Okay. You'll I'll, love it. I'll be there, Julia. You invite me and I'll be there. It's an invite. It's already on the books. Consider it invited. All right. All right. That's all the time we have with Dr. Hosh today. That was the best conversation. And I appreciate your time. I know it is worth so much. And I know that the nation is going to learn so much about Knoxville today that they did not know. So thank you so much for taking time for us on another episode of Connect the Knox. Thanks for visiting.
Thank you for tuning into the show. Make sure to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And if you would like information on moving to Knoxville, send me a private message. As always, this is Julia Hurley connecting Knoxville to the nation.